All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Misfit Nation. As promised, this week will be about the veterans of the United States Armed Forces. We have a couple great guests this week. Our first one is president of the Freedom Alliance, Tom Kilgannon. Freedom Alliance is an educational and charitable organization which honors and supports America's military and advocates for a strong national defense. Freedom Alliance saves lives and military marriages by providing recreational rehabilitation to combat wounded heroes and counseling uh, retreats for military couples. The organization helps troops overcome the wounds of war by providing all-terrain wheelchairs to amputees, donating mortgage-free homes to combat wounded veterans, and shipping care packages to troops while they're deployed overseas, among other projects. In addition, Freedom Alliance has awarded millions of dollars in college scholarships to the sons and daughters of America's heroes who have lost life or limb for our country. In 2017, Kilgannon was appointed by House Speaker Paul Ryan to the National Commission on Military, National, and Public Service. In its final report, the commission offered Congress and the President 164 recommendations to improve the selective service system, civics education, and ways to foster a greater ethos of service among Americans. So without further ado, let's get Tom Kilgannon on here. All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Tom Kilgannon of the Freedom Alliance. How you doing, Tom? Hey, Rich. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. I'm glad that we uh, were linked together uh, via a separate party and get you on here. Uh, seeing that Oliver North actually founded this uh, alliance here. I actually I got to meet Ali in 2004 in Ramadi, Iraq. Great man. That he is. Uh, he, Ali and I go back a, a long way, and uh, he's, a, he's a great friend to me and mentor um, and an inspirational leader to so many. So it's an honor to be able to uh, lead the organization that he founded. That's outstanding. So how about you tell us a little bit about your background, and then we'll go into the Freedom Alliance as well. Sure. So, um, you know, I've been with Freedom Alliance for a long time. So much of my background is uh, associated with the organization. Prior to coming here, I was working on Capitol Hill for a member of Congress. And um, it was uh, it was really outstanding work. But Colonel North called me and uh, said that he wanted to talk to me about an opportunity he had. And um, it was one of those things that I really couldn't pass up. Uh, The organization was doing great work. And this was uh, just a few years before 9-11. So I came over to Freedom Alliance, got started, and then 9-11 hit, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, We had our marching orders and our mission, and um, it was to care for military families and combat veterans. And uh, at that time, it was, uh, you know, that day was was memorable to me as it was to so many millions of Americans. I'll never forget it. Ali and I were actually on a plane together that day. And um, when we landed at uh, Dulles Airport, it was eerie. Uh, Our office is just a few miles from Dulles Airport and uh, the world changed. And uh, we we have been doing uh, what I think is great work ever since then. Well, just reading uh, the notes on the Alliance, I believe you're doing uh, amazing things since then, uh, uh, since its founding. And I'm sure that was just uh, bone chilling when you came into Dulles that day. I don't know if they told you over the airline what had happened before you landed, but when you landed, I'm sure it just shook everyone that was there. Yeah, it really did. You know, we got um, just before we landed, we got an announcement from the uh, pilot telling us that there were terrorist attacks that day. We got out into the airport and there was just 
uh, really one or two shopkeepers who were closing up. It, it was empty. And that was a Tuesday morning. It was, I think it was about 10, and, 10 or 11 o'clock when we landed. And so um, it was, uh, it was really odd. And then we got outside and you saw people sharing taxis and, and taking care of each other and a great sense of cooperation. So, um, you know, we just, we just kind of went from there. I bet. I mean, that, that day I was actually on the border of Iraq and Kuwait already forward when it happened. So we didn't think it was real for a while. We thought it was just some kind of drill they're doing on us. And we were yelling at each other. No, it can't be real. No one would do that to America. And then we finally sent the young soldier to the CNN tent to see what was going on. And he said, yeah, we're, I think we're at war somewhere. So that, that brought it all to light. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. It was, um, and, and uh, as I said, our office is just a few miles from the airport and we're used to planes flying over and uh, there, there weren't any for several days. And it was, uh, it was an odd, eerie feeling. But, um, you know, we had to adapt. Uh, and certainly you all in the military adapted very quickly. Our military families uh, had big changes coming to them. And that's what we tried to impact here at Freedom Alliances those changes that they were going through uh, and how we could affect that and, and in a positive way and help them through what was really a transformational time in American history for the last 20 years. And it's still going on, as you know, Rich. Uh, I know that the president announced a few weeks ago that the war in Afghanistan is over, but uh, I've really got to challenge that declaration because uh, I think for you and, and for so many combat veterans that we work with here at Freedom Alliance, the war is not over. As long as veterans are fighting it or remembering it in their hearts and their souls and, uh, and dealing with the consequences of it, it's not over, and uh, at least not for them. And so we've got to recognize that and understand that when it comes to sending uh, our nation to war and the, the people who fight those wars for us, uh, we've got to be able to uh, understand what the timeline is. It's not just uh, basic and, and then deploying and, and taking care of that it is the the, the timeline is uh, fulsome in the sense that uh, as long as people are still recuperating um, that that's part of war as well definitely and uh, that's a, a right on point with the, what I see on a daily basis here I live in a large veteran community here outside of Fort Campbell Kentucky so you see all the different uh, levels of where they are in their in their journey from post post service and like you said, the memories and dealing with PTS or TBI and everything that goes along with it and trying to keep their family unit together as they move forward. And it's a, it's a battle for many men and women that have served now. Yeah, it really is. The, um, the emotional injury uh, that, that goes along with it, the moral injury. And that's really what we're, we're dealing with a lot of that right now. And uh, bringing, sponsoring a lot of hunting and fishing activities for veterans bringing them together for the purpose of them being in each other's company so that they can be accountable to one another, uh, speak to one another and, and help each other out. Because those are the kinds of uh, things that the VA is just not really very good at, at addressing. Uh, the VA is, a, it's a, it's a big organization. It's a, it's a conveyor belt, if you will, an assembly line. Um, and, and there are a lot of things that they can do and do well dealing with the very personal, emotional uh, issues that are associated with, the com with combat in the aftermath, uh, that takes a lot of um, personalized attention. And uh, that's one of the things that uh, we're addressing quite a bit here at Freedom Alliance. So tell us a little bit about, did the mission uh, 
of the Freedom Alliance change after 9-11 or was it always the same? Did you adapt as you've seen the need over the last 20 years? Yeah, we've, um, we've always been an organization that has been uh, helping out military families, but obviously 9-11 uh, helped us to change that. The organization was founded uh, at the time of the first Gulf War in 1990. Okay. So we had a number of programs in place, but as you know, that war was, um, it, it was over in quick fashion and it was not in the headlines for a very long period of time. So the founding of the organization and that event uh, took place at basically the same time. So it was, it was difficult to uh, sustain the, the programmatic uh, activity. Uh, and so for the next 10 years, we, you know, we went through um, you know, some different types of programming. And then when 9-11 came, we went back to uh, the programs that were put in place back in 1990 and dusted them off and adapted them to what the, the new situation uh, required. And I would say that over the last 20 years, we have continued to do that, where we have tried to uh, make sure that we are giving to veterans and, and families what they need at that time. The needs of troops who were deployed in uh, 2001 to 2005 were very different than what the needs were in 2010 to 2015. And so we were constantly uh, doing after action and, and uh, taking a look at uh, what we were able to provide and, and what the uh, troops needed and, um, and continue to update our menu of uh, activities and, and offerings. You're definitely right that it did change from the early days of this uh, conflict till now, even the 10 and 12. Uh, I was in Afghanistan 10, 11, and 12, and Iraq early on, uh, 03, 01, 03, and 04. So that, that time period, you know, the one call a week or whatever home, and maybe you got some mail. Then 10, 11, 12 was a, kind of a different animal because they had the burner phones over there. You can buy one of them, call home whenever you want. And there was like internet cafes everywhere, Burger Kings on the big bases. So it was kind of a different world at that time. And like you said, the need of the, the troop on the ground definitely changed at that point to something that higher needs than the lower ankle biter needs from early on. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I remember in the early years, we were uh, collecting all kinds of phone cards and sending yeah. them over. And then the communications, you know, adapted. And, uh, and then, you know, later on, we're, a lot of our work was conducted through the hospitals, through Walter Reed, through Vamsi, through the Naval Hospital in San Diego, uh, and so many others. And then it became the rehab centers. Uh, and as you know, when a, when a service member comes home and he's wounded and he's in one of those environments, whether it's the hospital or the rehab center, he has around him a natural community of support. He's got doctors and, and nurses and counselors and other veterans and family members. But what we started to see was as service members were leaving those environments and going back home to their, to their actual houses and into their communities, they might be the only one in the community or one of very few who were dealing with the kinds of circumstances they were, whether that was an amputee, an amputation or internal injuries or emotional injuries. And so the challenge for organizations like ours at Freedom Alliance was to get them out of their home and back into an environment where they had around them other veterans. And that's, so that's where we uh, began doing hunting and fishing trips, skiing, other outdoor activities, so that we could create that environment of support where they are able to 
um, just be with one another and, and help each other out. And so we're doing a lot of that. Dozens of events are taking place each year, Rich, uh, where we are bringing those veterans together. We just finished up an event on the Rogue River in Oregon. Wow. Uh, we had a big uh, uh, gathering of veterans with our partners at War Heroes on Water. That's in Southern California, where we bring the boating community together. And lots of, we had um, three, almost four dozen um, yacht owners who, who give their, their boats and allow uh, the veterans to, or not allow, but take them out uh, for three or four days of fishing. And, wow. you know, when you're out there uh, on the Pacific Ocean, you're, you're catching fish here and there, but there's also a lot of downtime. And during that downtime, a lot of great conversation takes place. So uh, that's where we started bringing veterans together. And as we realized through some of these events that the civilian community has a lot to offer to this healing process as well. And when you get uh, caring, committed, knowledgeable civilians who are willing to give of their time to listen to veterans, to talk with them, to understand, that really goes a long way because I, I feel that the veteran understands um, there are people out there who care about me and it goes beyond just my family. And that I have uh, an obligation of sorts to other veterans to, uh, to be an example of somebody who can heal and get through this. And uh, we have seen tremendous success uh, through our different kinds of events. And uh, it, it is, I, you know, I never served, uh, I'm a civilian. And so for me, this has been extraordinarily rewarding because I have seen the impact that our team here at Freedom Alliance has had on people. I've seen lives change, I've seen lives saved, uh, I've seen, Veterans go on uh, to be leaders and to hold others accountable and show them how they can um, get over the hurdles and, and beat these demons that follow veterans home from the battlefield. And um, it is, it's just been an extraordinary uh, journey for me as a civilian to see it, to be a part of it, and uh, to do just a little bit to help out. It's it's probably very rewarding to your your inner soul to see that progress that veterans are able to make after going through your programs. And on their side, when they get to go on these trips, they, they build their camaraderie. And then they, like you said, they become leaders of their own community within the veteran sphere. And that finds that sense of purpose that we all kind of lose when we take them boots off the last time. You take the boots off, you run into a wall. What do I do with my hands now? I don't know what I'm doing. And That's you right. kind of lose that purpose. And it, it's good to find a, a tribe to go back to and do stuff with. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and for those, uh, I mean, your, your audience is probably uh, military uh, heavy, but for those civilians who are watching and maybe trying to understand what we're talking about when we talk about the demons or the emotional injuries, I, you know, I describe it this way. There's, the, um, there's that scene in the movie uh, American Sniper uh, with Chris Kyle where he's on the rooftop and a uh, little, uh, little boy picks up the, uh, the RPG oh, yeah. launcher and, and so Chris is, is faced, and in the movie it's Chris, but this same decision, the same scenario is played out for thousands and thousands of veterans where they see an innocent child, an innocent woman who has been strapped with dynamite or picks up an RPG launcher. And so now the American is faced with this uh, impossible decision. Uh, you can even look more, more recently uh, as we were leaving Afghanistan and 
these uh, these Afghan women are are sending their babies over the fence line to these Marines who are taking it. Now put yourself in the shoes of in the boots of that Marine who is faced with a decision: Do I take this child, this innocent child, from this mother who is just trying to get this child to safety? And if I accept this child and hand it off to another Marine, how do I know um, where it goes? Or if I give it back, uh, what, what's gonna happen to it? And, and so think about the guilt or the snap decision that has to be made, the, uh, the impossible situation that they are put in. And those are the kinds of circumstances that play out in their minds, in their hearts, in their souls for many years to come, trying to figure out did I make the right choice? Why, why was I put in this decision? Why did I have to be the one who, who did that? And it is very difficult. And so uh, veterans are struggling with, uh, with God, uh, with their sense of purpose, um, and, and coming back to a society that doesn't fully understand what they've been through, uh, what they've had to do, the kinds of choices they've had to make, and we, you know, we try to put them to positions where they're uh, doing data entry or, or things like that, and it, it, they lose that sense of purpose. So um, at Freedom Alliance, when we're able to get veterans um, and, and reconnect them, them with that purpose, it is, uh, it's a wonderful thing to see them excited again and to know that this person with such a big heart and so many skills and talents is channeling it toward a purpose that they believe in. And that's absolutely correct. And that, that split second decision, that that's something that doesn't translate into a lot of other things in life. When you're behind the scope or on a patrol and you're with that task and purpose in mind now, do I do X to, to stop the third order effect of uh, Y happening? And when you come home and you try to explain it to someone who who's never been in that situation, Oh, I would have done this, this, and this, because I would have thought it through. You don't have that time to think it through. It's either you or that person at that time. And it's, it's something, like you said, we have to live with it for the rest of our lives or is the rest of the time that we have it sitting in our, our uh, brain housing unit for the rest of the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and so what we do is, you know, we, we get veterans around uh, the campfire, around the, the conference room table and, and just talk it out. And uh, I think a lot of times being able to just say it, explain it, have others listen who have had similar experiences uh, is really cathartic. It is helpful to unburden themselves of this. And, and we're very careful about the civilians we bring into this equation. Uh, but when they are there, they, we're, we're, trying, we're asking civilians to, to help carry that burden as well. And, and for veterans to understand that you know, we as civilians had our time back here, we didn't have to carry those kinds of burdens. Um, but, uh, but we want to do our part now to help you through it. And, uh, it's, it's, it's something that, um, it's something that we've got to come to understand uh, a whole lot better. And I think a lot of people, you know, I, I describe this rich as, as emotional injury or moral injury. And I do that because I really feel that what a lot of veterans are going through, it's an issue of the heart and an issue of the soul, not so much an issue of the mind, although that's a part of it. And um, while, while it's often described as, as mental health, I think that's a part of it, but I think the more complete understanding of it 
is is emotion and uh, and faith and and I think that's that's something we've got to um, we've got to come to understand uh, both in the civilian and in the in the veteran community. Definitely, it comes down to mind, body, and soul. You have to have uh, solid on each one of them in order to keep moving forward and keep the, yourself from going into the darkness or having the, the demons get the better of you as you try to battle through it. And I mean, this time of year is always going to be the hardest for many of the veterans because it goes into this holiday slide and they think, why am I here and not my buddy? Or why did why did I not get hit that day? And why did he get hit and he lost his leg? It, I should be like him right now. And that, that uh, weighs heavy on many people's heads. And that's something that you have to get that faith going. You got to keep your mind straight. You got to try to take care of your body as best as possible. What's left of it after you got beat up in the military for X amount of years. That body is a temple when you came in at 18 years old, but as you grow older, it it's kind of breaks down like a car. And then you have to have soul. You have to have some kind of faith balance in there to help you get to the right, to the right things in life. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we talked about uh, Afghanistan earlier in our exit from Afghanistan. I know a lot of veterans are struggling with that, but what I would offer to them is uh, if you served in Afghanistan, you did your job and you did it well, and you, you really did make a difference. And there are people uh, in that country who are alive today. There are people who have their fingers and their toes and their tongues uh, because you were there uh, to help them out. Uh, there are women who have a, a chance and, and opportunity. Uh, young girls who are able to get uh, an education or at least part of one because you were there. And uh, the way we left Afghanistan, I think, is uh, it was a disgrace and, and it's um, it's a stain on our on our nation. But that has nothing to do with the individual service member. Those Marines and, and soldiers who were on the ground during those uh, weeks uh, performed admirably. And so. If we're speaking to the veteran who is uh, afflicted by that, and as you know, there are many who are, you need to understand that you did your job and you did it well. When you go over there, you are America's finest diplomats. You are, you are people that we are proud of. The nation is proud of you. Where we have a, a problem, where we're going to direct our challenge is toward the, the officials in Washington who made those kinds of decisions in the way that they did. And there is a separation there. And, and we can uh, look at one in a, in a way that uh, we want a whole lot more from those people who made those kinds of decisions, while at the same time, looking at the Marine or the soldier, the service member on the ground and having the highest regard and the, the greatest degree of admiration for them, because that's where we are. And that's where the public is. And so for any veteran listening to this conversation, Rich, I want you to know that there is tremendous support among the public for you. Please believe that. Please know that. Be proud of your service and know that you made a difference. And you really did, because depending on when you deployed, you did your job. If you deployed in those early years, like I think you said you were over there in the early years, your job was to get, get the Taliban and get Al-Qaeda. And you did it. And if you deployed in later years, it was to build up the Afghan army. And if, you know, if you deployed after that, it might have been more of a humanitarian mission and, and working to make it safer for, for women and girls. And tremendous progress was made in, in all of those. Um, but depending on when you deployed, 
you had you might have just viewed it a little bit differently and you had a different uh, goal to reach right and like i told a lot of my veterans in my sphere we we did our job like you're saying we did our job over there we were given a mission statement and we we handled that mission each time we went we handled that mission and we came home we passed the baton to the next unit we knew this would end at some point we couldn't stay there forever but we also knew that it shouldn't end abruptly and that kind of left us a, a sting for a lot of guys and gals and then when the 13 got taken out that really hurt many uh many veterans hearts right there when those 13 were killed by the suicide bomber in a complex attack so that that i think added to the pain for a lot of the veterans and they started questioning their worth like you're saying that they didn't really do anything worthwhile there they just have to understand like you're saying that it was a bigger than us while we're over there we did our jobs and now we have to go back to understanding that what we did was great. That's absolutely right. And while we're at it, we have to send a message to um, elected officials, people in Washington, those who are in charge of making these kinds of decisions, that you've got to figure it out too. Uh, you've got to, we've got to get to a point as a nation where we are together on what our purpose is when we send young men and women overseas. Is you know and. and uh, what are the limits of our ability as a country to affect change in other nations? Um, and what do we want to accomplish? And so I think we need more robust debate in Congress. We need uh, healthy uh, dissent. We need uh, people who are able to um, have these kinds of conversations and think about what's going to come. I know that uh, at the start of this, there was, there was talk about casualties and injuries and a lot of that was brushed under the table and said well that you know let's not worry about any of that well we need to worry about it because right now we've got tens of thousands who have come home who are dealing with both physical and emotional injuries that we need to take care of and as i said this war should not be considered over until we're able to care for them to the best of our ability and the other thing is we have about seven thousand service members who never made it and one of the things we do here, Rich, at Freedom Alliance is we try to remember their sacrifice and help out their families by providing college scholarships to their children. Uh, we just passed a big milestone here where uh, we have now awarded more than $20 million in college scholarships to 2,000 students, uh, each of whom is the son or daughter of an American hero. Uh, that's something we're proud of. We, we wish we did not have to do it. But given the circumstances, we want to make sure that each of those kids understands through this scholarship that represents it, that their parents' sacrifice will never be forgotten by a grateful nation. I was just about to ask you about that milestone, and you, you beat me to it. So, I mean, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, how do uh, they apply for it, or does someone have to nominate them to be awarded the scholarship, or do they have to just go to your website? How do they do that? Yeah, they just uh, they just need to be um, uh, eligible for it. And the way they become eligible is their parent uh, was killed or or permanently disabled in military service. So they can go to our website. There's an application there, freedomalliance.org, uh, and they fill out the application. We'll take a look at it, and they're going to obviously provide some paperwork, DD-214s or veterans paperwork or um, showing that they're, they lost their parent. And we'll take a look at that. And, and, uh, and then we get them the scholarship. We, you know, back in 
2001, I think we had 12 students on scholarship. And oh, wow. now we've got this year, we'll have 600 students on wow. scholarship. We're giving out over almost two and a half million dollars this year alone. So, um, you know, what we're trying to do is, is to make sure that these kids have an opportunity. You know, every parent wants a college education or a better opportunity for their kids. And, and military parents are no different. Um, but they go overseas, they make these tremendous sacrifices. And we want to show our appreciation through caring for their kids. Um, and Rich, I'll tell you, it's a very similar dynamic among our college students who receive these scholarships that there is to the veterans. If you had a parent who was uh, killed in Afghanistan or Iraq, chances are you don't know in your high school or your college somebody else who's like that. So what we do at Freedom Alliance is bring them together. We have retreats and events where they can get together and know each other. And I'll tell you that friendships uh, form instantaneously because they have that tragic circumstance uh, as a commonality. The, the tragic bond that brings them together also makes them friends for, for life almost at that point, once they get to actually see each other and talk to each other. Yeah, it really does. Um, it is it is wonderful to see the, the friendships that develop. And um, these kids are, are, they're terrific. You know, they have, they have a lot of reasons to be angry at their country. They have a lot of reasons to be down, but uh, I, I'd say you know each one of them is optimistic. They love their country. They're proud of their parents' service. They look forward to the opportunity to get out and get on a stage and, and speak to whether it's ten people or a hundred or or five hundred people about their dad or in some cases their mom. You know, moms are sacrificing yeah. too now. And, and they want to tell about their parent and what their service was like and why they joined the military and what they as, as a military brat learned uh, from, from those sacrifices and, and that service. So those are the kinds of opportunities that we're providing at Freedom Alliance in addition to the scholarship is bring them together, help them meet one another and form those friendships where they can be mentors to one another and hold each other accountable. That's outstanding. And uh, the veterans that go on the like hunting trips and such, they do the same thing, go through the website and there's an application for them as well. Absolutely. Through freedomalliance.org, there's an application, fill it out. And we've got a number of, whether it's hunting or fishing trips, uh, that's part of what we do. We're also giving away all-terrain wheelchairs so that amputees can participate in those kinds of activities. We have some vehicles that we give away. We've done a few um, mortgage-free homes we also have retreats for married couples because you know the dynamics there. And so uh, we're just, we're trying to help out in a, in a variety of different ways. So when somebody comes to us, it is not unusual that we'll spend several years uh, with them in, you know, helping them out at different stages of their rehabilitation because we've got different programs to offer. That's outstanding, Tom. I know you're short on time and you're a busy day, busy man. So uh, it's been great chatting with you and uh, anything you need from me in the future to let me know, I'll help you out. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for your service and God bless to all who are listening and, and all that you've done for our country. Appreciate you, Tom. Have a good day. Thank you. That was amazing chat with Tom. Make sure if you fall into the realm of all the areas the Freedom Alliance supports, 
and helps within the Bentman sphere, you reach out to them through their website and sign up for the programs that are of interest for you and that you qualify for. Again, a great chat with Tom and a great align, great organization, Freedom Alliance. So you know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on The Misfit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that would bring that energy, has an awesome story, has written a book, is on the verge of releasing their first LP, EP, single, have them reach out to us on themisfitnation.com and we'll get them on here to reach and show their story. So as always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are... Thank <laughs> you.